2: see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan.
4: Good evening, everyone. This is Sarah Ellen, and there we go. I see Susan. Welcome, hey, Susan. Hey, Sarah you. Ellen. Hi.
5: How are, are you? you
6: Thank you, Wonderful. Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Woo! We had a mad dash to the beautiful dusk to ah, get here. So glad to be here. Wow. What did we do? What did we do this week? We bottled bottled our peach vinegar this week. So Mm -hmm. as you recall, there's a peach tree that grew from a pit in the compost. And the Shisandra vine decided to make the peach tree its home. And the peach tree grew big, and it was quite the year. The weather was so beneficent. There were blossoms. There was rain. There was sun. There was fruit. So much fruit crash. The peach tree came down. Fortunately, the chassandra vines are very flexible. It didn't seem to hurt the chassandra at all. And we had lots of peaches. We estimate there were between. Uh, 225 to 275 pounds of peaches.
1: Really? Wow. A lot of peaches, And they're wow. not
6: like, not like, like you think like cultivated peach, like this big orange thing. These are like kind of wild peaches, right? Because they grew from a pit in the compass. So they're like, um, if you put your thumb and your forefinger together, most of them would fit in that space. They're not really big. And they're pretty hard. They taste like peaches, but they have the texture of apples. Um, and I should cook them. And we just had so many peaches, you know, that I cooked pot after pot after pot. Froze pot after pot. I froze almost 50-quart bags of peaches. And we put up Liboshi peaches, which are still in there with their shiso. And we made, from a recipe from Mother Earth News, Peach peels, vinegar, but we didn't use peach peels because we had peaches. So we just made it with peaches. And it's online. It's an easy recipe to find. It's basically peaches or peach peels, whichever you have, water, sugar, and some salt. And I covered it with a a porous cover and kitchen towel with a rubber band in a crock. And every morning, I would open it up and stir it. And after a while, it began to get very bubbly.
0: Mm. And
6: I began to taste it. And there was a point at which I took some to Michelle to taste and... delicious. (laughs) So good. I wish we had bottled it that day. That day. It was so at the peak of its flavor, its effervescence, and it was just, wow. We did bottle it. Two days later, it's still wonderful. There's nothing wrong with it at all. We took a bottle with us out on the boat. We went out on the Hudson River in our little boat, and we took a bottle of the peach vinegar, which we had bottled and it's called peach vinegar, but it's really more like peach soda pop because it is pretty fizzy. So we took this bottle out, mm. and we were passing it around on the boat. And it was sunny. And the longer we were on the boat, because we'd, like, each take a sip, and then we'd put it down for half an hour. And then we'd each take a sip, and we'd put it down for a while. And each time we picked it up, it was more and more alcoholic Till at the end of the day, it was really like... Peach wine, full-on alcohol content, because it must have been fermenting in the bottle out there in the sun.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, I
4: checked
6: all the bottles that we had in the refrigerator, because I was a little frightened, because we gave a bottle to our friend Jack, who opened it, and a third of it spewed up out of the bottle an incredible volcano of peach vinegar covering her from shoulder to toe in
1: pieces of peach. <laughs> she was very good sport about it. Wow. Fun this
6: is
0: is just, before,
6: just before Moon Lodge and I was kind of like biting my fingernails, you know, like oh my gosh, am I going to go home and find like pieces of peach all over my kitchen? Is my kitchen going to be a disaster area? But not Partly because I put it in the refrigerator, and also partly because we realized later, the bottle that we gave her had gotten shaken up.
0: Oh, oh!
6: And so it had it had really like gotten itself into quite the fizz. So, we have been enjoying our peach vinegar. I don't know what it should be called, but it is quite the. Delight! It's kind of sour. It's kind of sweet. It's kind of fizzy. It's definitely pee-echy. And we're gonna figure out something to do with the kind of pickled peaches that we strained out.
4: Wow! What a giver that fallen peach tree has been. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Amazing. 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 <laughs> So how's your week been? Oh, our week, my week has been especially delightful. Um, Had just a wonderfully enchanting weekend. It was uh, beautiful weather here, and there is an annual gathering that has happened for twenty five years in the community. And last year it didn't happen, and it's an outdoor polo event. So there's plenty of space, three hundred yards on each sideline, and It's more about gathering, well, I guess, for us since we don't ride horses, but there was so much opportunity to meet the people living around us, and it was just more than I could have ever imagined. I just am so blessed to call this place home, and we met so many wonderful people, and I'm just really happy to feel very rooted where we are living, and even got an invitation to go ride on some horses. So that will be fun. Um, And yeah, so it just felt like, you know, there were some surprise highlight weekends of the year and there was maybe one, two or three of them. This was definitely one. So I'm coming off a very lovely weekend and had an opportunity for some really sacred ceremony space with, a kindred sister, and um, that was something new to me for the capacity that I was able to hold for that space, and I'm really honored and humbled, and um, yeah, so the weekend felt very, very potent for me, and uh, just feeling happy and expansive today.
6: yes, if we've been paying attention all along, we can see that nature is already be responding very strongly to the change in day lengths. Mhm, for me, it makes me want to make pesto. So I did a series on making pesto with Justine. She videoed me making pesto and talking about pestos. Have you been making pestos this year?
4: I actually spent a good part of this afternoon not making pestos, but I planted so many tomato bushes, so I was cooking up um, roasting tomatoes and then making sauce uh, with different... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I do have some oregano that I've been adding from the garden, but I did not make a pesto today um, or yet this season. So maybe that's what I'll do tomorrow. That's a good
6: idea. I like to bring people's attention to pesto in the autumn because whether we want it to happen or not here comes the cold, and that means that many of the lovely plants we've been enjoying all summer long are going to be gone. They won't be available for us to use. The mints, especially. Basil. She's a lemon balm. The monardas all of the lovely mints, the sage, the rosemary, are not going to be happy when the cold comes. So this is the time right now to preserve the antioxidant value of these plants so that we have it in the winter time. They're they're gonna drop those leaves. Those leaves are gonna be dead and all over the ground. So harvest, harvest, harvest. I know it seems somehow like, oh, oh, I should, well, maybe I could get, no. No, they're all going to fall. Remind yourself what happened last year. All the leaves, seemingly overnight, are going to be on the ground. Go out now while they look good. Start harvesting and make yourself some Pestos. Let's see, Michelle and I were going through the different pestos that we had made this year. We started with garlic scape pesto, garlic scape pesto, and spring dandelion leaf pesto. We could have made dandelion flower pesto, but the man came and mowed the lawn at the wrong time, so we didn't have the dandelion flowers, but they're pretty good. I do take the green part off and sometimes add something, some other stuff to it. Then we made, um, oh gosh, regular basil pesto and purple basil pesto, which has got a really different flavor. And one of our favorite uses for the pur- purple basil pesto this year was on corn on the cob.
0: Mm.
4: Wow, good idea. That sounds really divine. I made chiso pesto.
6: And then we're harvesting Shisandra, The lawn can't be mowed, or the peach tree has fallen down, and the curly dock is going crazy there. So there's enough nice, fresh, young curly dock leaves to make pesto, and it's yeah. really a divine, really, really a divine pesto. <laughs> We were gifted with some cannabis leaf pesto made from the shade leaves. And it's about as mind-altering as nettle leaf pesto, which is a lovely pesto, but it's not going to get you, you know, anywhere that you were Mm -hmm. thinking. Cannabis mind. It's really just the shade leaves, and there's just no CBD, no THC, no anything in there. But it's a great pesto, and it's so loaded with chlorophyll. Oh, my gosh. And it has that wonderful mm. kind of, kind of nutty umami cannabis taste, you know.
4: Wow. Yeah.
6: And um, what else do we make? Any other kinds of pesto? So I think that's it. That's a lot of pesto. That's a variety. I, it is, I and, it and easy, easy. You know, we talk about eating greens at every meal, and for some people, that seems hard to do. But if you have a raw variety of different pestos in your refrigerator, and whatever you have for breakfast, you can put pesto on it, right? You can put pesto on your bread. You can mm-hmm. put pesto on your cereal. You could put pesto on your omelet. You could put pesto on your muffin, so it's yes. always available, and it makes all your meals more interesting. I was talking about how simple it is to prepare a dinner, you know, just a couple of vegetables, some kind of legume, and some rice, and serve it plain, and then put out four or five different pestas and everybody can doctor it up to their heart's delight.
4: Oh. Yum. Yum. So,
6: and now's so that the time to get you out there and get creative, make pesto. And to me, the important thing is that you keep it simple. Pesto, which means paste, traditionally is herb chopped with garlic and salt and then packed into a jar and covered with oil to keep it. just a lot easier to make pesto in a machine and just pour the olive oil in there with it and use it as the liquid to grind up the herb and the salt and the garlic. But what happens then is that people start to say, oh, wouldn't this be great if we put nuts in it? Wouldn't this be great if we put cheese in it? Wouldn't this be great if we put this or that or the other thing in it? And it's true. It is. I'm not against those things except they really cut into the longevity of the pesto.
0: Mm-hmm. Pestos
6: made from an herb, a green herb, or colored herb, it be it. That would be okay too. Um, salt, garlic, and I use organic extra virgin olive oil. Packed into a jar with the air bubbles removed and a thin head of olive oil put on the top of it will stay fresh, green, delicious and ready for your use up to two years for sure in the refrigerator and if nothing unusual happens they're good for three, sometimes even four years. And you can also freeze them. Wow. White, the White Feather was telling us, oh yes, she has special ice cube trays that she uses for freezing pesto. And then you can oh, pop cube or two of pesto out. Right? And yeah. you have it think beyond the, the the pasta box
4: right i'm I'm opening up now I'm seeing it I'm feeling it wow
6: right right use pesto as a basis for salad dressing put it on cut up vegetables and stick them in the oven go wild with pesto it's What is it? It's covered in oil, right? It's the fifth way of cooking. Sufficient heat for sufficient time, freezing, dehydrating, fermenting, and covering in oil. And that's what pesto is, covering in oil. Meanwhile, we are deliriously delighted with our coconut oil experiments that we've been doing.
0: We put mm. up some
6: plantain leaf and coconut oil, and Michael smelled it, and he said, this isn't plantain oil. I said, yes, it is. He doesn't say He says, it doesn't smell bad.
4: <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to try this now. I have some right. lovely plantain here. That is amazing. Yes,
6: and uh, we're, you know, we're letting the coconut oil sit out in the sun so it stays liquid, and we just put up a jar uh, with calendula blossoms. And just because um the coconut oil was being stored in the house and I had to put it outside for the whole day in order to get it liquid enough to get the calendula blossoms in, I did wilt the calendula blossoms for that day. There's always a controversy about are you gonna wilt your calendula blossoms or not. And then right. um then I asked people to break them up as they put them. I poured you know, about a third of the jar out to leave room for the blossoms and had people break up the calendula blossoms right through the that harder center as they drop them into the oil.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're going to see
6: what it looks like. Yeah, but we're having oh. a great time. I it with the, the dollar jars of coconut oil from our local dollar store. Now, let's see. We have a guest tonight. That guest is Melissa Mutterspaugh, a clinical herbalist, environmental educator, and the founder and formulator at Mountain Mills Essential Goods. She's also podcast host on the herbalist path and the mother of a beautiful young girl and a few fur babies. Now, that is quite the statement. She's the mother of a few fur babies. Hmm. I hope she did not give birth to them as similarly as their surrogate mother. She lives in Oregon. Come and find out if she really gave birth to those fur babies or not at 9 o'clock. East Coast time. Stick with us or come on
4: back. Yeah, And Yes, Susan. I I would like to add that we I um, had some email communication behind the scenes, and we have updated questions for from Melissa for this evening. And I am doubting that you received those. Is that? Would you like me to send them? I emailed them to you, but it was very late this ah. afternoon that they were updated. So. Okay. Um. I can take a picture of them and text them to
7: your phone Um, while we're talking. Well, you know,
6: the fact of the matter is what I do is I really like to have those questions. They're important to me because they give me a window into what's important to the person that I'm going to be talking to. But as anyone that I've interviewed will tell you, it's not like I read the questions and only ask those questions.
4: Right, right. I I know they are rarely so. Asked, it's not. So I, I it's not like it's that
6: important to me.
4: Nice. And
6: all she of and I will talk. I- if there are things that are important to her, she will bring those up.
2: I trust yes. the process.
4: Love that. I love it. Well, you've been fully informed, and um, I will inform you as well. We have three callers already on the line that have pressed one, and uh, many more callers in the queue that I will remind. If you have a question, please press one so that we know you have a question for Susan this evening. Are you ready for callers, Susan?
6: Start with the first one, yes.
4: All right, excellent. Our first caller is calling from the two zero one area code. From the two zero one, you are live with Susan.
7: Hi, Susan. I'm also Melissa. And hey, we were Melissa. We talking about Lemon Bomb, so it seems very fitting that this is my night to to call you again. Yes. Um. Uh. I, I don't know why I get so nervous. I called like years ago, and I've waited a while because I was waiting for like the the right question to ask you, but um, I just love you and your books and your website and your show for so many years, and you just set me on my path, and I'm just very thankful to you. I just want to say thank you. Uh, I
6: receive your thanks with an open heart.
7: I'm blessed. Uh, I'm blessed to have you in my life. I have two questions, um, two completely different topics. I could always call back another night if there's not enough time. Um, Well, let's get started. Okay. I've had major allergies since I was young with cats. Um, It's been a while that I was around a cat. I had a transformational trip to Kansas, and she had a cat, and I had the reactions all over again. And my gut's just telling me OSHA, but I know – you know, how to treat seasonal allergies, but I have no idea if there's a different, if I'm looking at this the wrong way, if there's a different path, but I have a new friend. I'm in New Jersey and I have a new friend that I'm going to visit and I don't want to have to have that worry of that I'm going to be breaking out in hives and sneezing and, and all of that. So I didn't know if you had any input for me.
6: I want to tell you a story. And if the story works for you, you can use it. And if it doesn't, it's my story. I think that there are two energies in each one of us. And I call them the life force and the soul force. The life force starts at conception and ends at death. It is only... In existence, so long as there is a living form. The soul force exists without a form. It's there before conception and after death. Okay. When we are being born... The soul force sometimes mistakes the ordinary thoughts or exclamations of birth as being uninviting.
0: You know, it's
6: possible while you're giving birth to be in... Pain and say, oh, I wish I'd never gotten pregnant or why am I doing this? It's not like you're really rejecting the whole thing. It's just you're hurting a lot. Yeah. Or or there can actually be the situation in which a woman is giving birth and truly doesn't want the child and truly is upset because it's a pregnancy that didn't want, that's hard on her, that's for whatever reason.
7: Yeah, so, we weren't supposed to, we were actually, well, even, my mother wasn't even supposed to be able to have children, and I also have a twin sister who also has allergies to cats, so this is very interesting. Yeah.
6: So when <laughs> we're being born, if the soul feels uninvited or unwelcome it says, let's get out of Dodge. But the life force says, excuse me? Dodge is all there is. There isn't mm-hmm. anything. What do you mean, get out of this body? This is the only body we have. And the Soul force says, oh, well, there's so many bodies, there's so many lifetimes, there's so many existences, don't cling to this one. And the life force says, this is the only one I have. Now, there's a fight, isn't there? Yes.
7: Yeah. And really
6: <laughs> really and truly, when I ask myself, what are people allergic to like you say you're allergic to cats, but my understanding is that when people are allergic to cats, they're allergic to cat dander, is that right? Yes, but it's a protein that's shed by cats, okay, and people are allergic to. Soy which is a protein and fish which is a protein and peanuts which are a protein and pollen which is a protein. And protein is the building block of life.
0: Okay. So I
6: realized that there was only one allergy and that was an allergy to life itself.
7: Oh lovely.
8: <laughs> so what do I do? <laughs> you sit your
6: soul down and tell it to get a grip and stop harassing you it's being a bully
7: well this is so weird because wait till you hear my second question
0: <laughs> this is crazy not crazy this is crazy good yeah
6: your soul wants to leave and your body is not leaving. And the soul needs to back off. After all, it's timeless. What's another, you're how old now? Forty-five. Forty-five. So what are we we talking, another 50 years here?
0: Yeah.
6: Come on, soul, 50 years. Give it to her. (laughs) Melissa deserves to have you back off for 50 years. And then after 50 years, you can bring up the topic of her leaving this body.
7: Does that work for you? Sounds good to me. Right. I'm going there tomorrow, so I'm going to make sure I sit myself down tonight. (laughs) Yeah.
6: It's not necessarily going to happen immediately because there is a well-established pattern in your body. At this point, are you drinking nourishing herbal infusion on a regular basis?
7: Yes, and I actually believe that. I think I've heard you say this, but I do believe that I I don't have seasonal allergies anymore because I drink so much nettle. Um, I think so too. It's, it's been it's been years I since I've so had seasonal so, allergies.
6: So take the OSHA with you. Okay. Because that pattern is a strong pattern now, as you said. This this is from. been happening for over forty
7: years. I was probably around fifteen when we got a cat and me and my sister were so about thirty itching years. and sneezing. Near yeah, thirty, 30 years. years.
6: It's a long time. Yeah. Take the ocean with you. Okay. Start to do this work, set your soul down. It's not necessarily gonna agree immediately. Like any bully. It might just back off until your back is turned. Yeah, you're going to have to affirm for yourself over and over again that you choose life, okay. and that you choose to intermingle yourself with all
7: of life. Okay. So that leads me to, I guess, which seems fitting, my my second question. Do you have uh, Do you have time for a second question?
6: Sarah Ellen, do we have time for a second question?
7: There are four callers that have queued up with questions.
6: Sounds like it.
1: Go ahead.
7: Okay. Okay, so um, my question is, how do you tap into your spiritual gifts? Like when people say they're listening to spirit or they're listening to their spirit guides, do they mean they're literally hearing them? And if they are, how do you activate that in yourself?
6: I can't tell you whether or not they are actually (laughs) hearing them. Some people do actually hear, like, vocalizations within their mind. But hearing and seeing, especially when it comes to things you can't hear and things you can't see, are words that are used rather loosely. The simplest way to talk about this is to say that we all lead charmed lives. Most of us, however, aren't paying any attention to the charms.
7: Yes, and I feel like I'm tapping into that. That's why I,
6: I'm asking. Yes. So <laughs> that's, that's where you start, right? You start being grateful and observant for your charmed life. And the more observant and grateful you are for everything that you're given, the more likely it is that you will be guided and asked to contribute. Your spirit guides are not there to protect you. In fact, they may ask you to do things that will get you into trouble, if you're not careful. They are there to push you.
7: Yeah.
6: Right? And to see to it that you'd step off that cliff.
7: Yeah. Well, I definitely have been guided they're not in the
6: past year. You're not necessarily oh. going to hold your hand. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to ignore what we might call inner messages.
0: Okay.
6: And sometimes it is a voice. I'm driving down the Massachusetts Turnpike, which is a very fast road. If you're going 75, you're probably in the slow lane. People are passing you going much faster. And I'm in the passing lane, passing those people going 75, and I am suddenly actually hearing in my head my Tai Chi teacher telling a story about a woman who had a blowout on her tire. Now, many of us would do some variety of I wish I could clear my mind. I don't know why I'm thinking of this. Some kind of putting down of ourselves for this. Once we begin to understand that we lead charmed lives, then we say, really, isn't that interesting of all the stories in the world? This one is coming to me right now. I'm to pull into the slow lane just in time for my tire to blow. There's a guardrail there. As soon as the guardrail ends, I pull off under the shoulder of the road, open up the trunk, start to take out all the cases of books because I've been at an herbal conference teaching and selling books, and the spare is under there. And before I get all the books out of the trunk, a big semi pulls up on the shoulder of the road right in front of me. This small man jumps out and says, Praise the Lord, let me help you. Wow. And I said, praise the Lord, thank you very much. And he changed the tire for me. We praised the Lord a couple more times. He put all the books back in the trunk, and off we both went. We all need charmed lives. How much time do we spend putting ourselves down when we could be listening? Mm hmm So the next time you have an odd thought, entertain it.
0: See where it takes you. Okay.
6: One of the things that I tell the apprentices is, I want you to do what I tell you to do. And I don't want you to question me. Not because I'm any hot shit. But because that's how your guides act. Your guides want you to do what they tell you to do without questioning it. And they're not going to tell you twice. Mm. They're not going to you or petition you or make it attractive to you. They're going to tell you once, and then they're on their way, and it's up to you to pay attention or not. It's both easier and harder than you thought.
7: Well, it's just validation. Um yeah. This is yeah, this is actually another special night for me, so thank you.
6: You're welcome. Green blessings. Thanks for calling.
7: Have a great night. Thank you.
4: Okay. Bye. Mm, that was so beautiful. Thank you, Susan. I just loved hearing you speak that So simply and beautifully. And um, there are five callers with their hands raised. So our next caller is calling from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan.
0: Um, Hi, Susan. This is Debbie calling. How are you?
6: Hey, Debbie. Enjoying our beautiful weather. How about you?
0: Yes, me too. I enjoyed hearing about the... um, the peach fizzy pop. I think I might try that. Great. Um, I have a question about another, am I, this might be another recipe. <clears throat> In your book, Abundantly Well, you mention um, using um, yarrow as a dentifrice. How do you, is there any special recipe that you use? Um,
6: no, I, use? I think, I tincture the flowering top of fresh mm-hmm. yarrow in 100 proof vodka. Let it sit for 6 weeks, then put it in a dropper bottle. Put that in the bathroom and put a drop on my toothbrush. If I want to rinse my mouth afterwards, I put several drops of yarrow in a small amount of water and use that as a mouthwash.
0: Oh, okay. If
6: well, there's that's any particular easy. if there's any particular spot that's sore, that's tender, that's bleeding, that's hurting, a drop or two of your tincture directly on that tooth or that gum or wherever that is can be very helpful as well.
0: Oh, that's good to know. Okay.
6: I had Um. a small cavity, but it extended below the gum line. And my dentist said, I have to give you... um, they don't use novocaine anymore. They use covocaine uh, because I'm going to have to cut your gum. And I said, N- no, really, it's okay. I can tolerate that level of pain. And the dentist said, yes, but I can't tolerate the amount of bleeding. And I said, well, I have yarrow tincture, and we'll put some yarrow tincture there, and it won't bleed. And afterwards, the dentist said, you're right. It didn't bleed at all. That's absolutely as good as the drug. Oh. Because the Covacaine has Novocaine and um, epinephrine in it. And I get tachycardia from epinephrine. I don't like it at all. I I do not wish to ingest it. So I basically say no to dental anesthesia. Okay. If I absolutely have to have it, they do have something um, without the epinephrine uh, that they give to children, and I just make sure that they oh. have the children on hand, and that's what they
0: give to Oh, <clears throat> because uh, epinephrine, can that uh, affect your heart? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to ask for that That's totally that's,
6: that's ephedra. People have died from taking capsules of ephedra. It's perfectly safe as a tea. But it's not safe as a powdered herb, and then when it's made into a drug, it's even less safe.
0: Okay, well that's very good to know.
6: Yeah, but I'm not saying this in general for everybody. I'm just saying it simply for myself, as a way no, no. that I, the ways that I have used yarrow, and that people who are using yarrow on their toothbrush and as their mouthwash are telling me that their dentists are very, very happy with this switch.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Susan. I, um, I, I appreciate um, your answer.
6: Yeah. You get um, rid of the essential oils that are in all toothpaste, so you're not ingesting es- essential oil. And right. yarrow is highly antibacterial across a huge range of disease causing bacteria so not only do you improve your oral health but you cut off a great number of other possible infections right at their source as they come into your mouth
0: okay well it sounds like a really good idea i'm going to to do it all right well, thank Thanks you susan me. Yes, you're welcome. Green blessings.
6: Green
4: blessings. All right, and we have four callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Our next caller is calling from the 516 area code. From the 516, you are live with Susan.
5: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm starting a new job on Monday, and I'm feeling... I'm uh, really anxious. Um I've been having many panic attacks throughout the day and I have mother war tincture, but I don't know how often I should take it or how much I should take and I'm wondering it sounds if you I like should buy buy take me. it every five minutes. Um take it every five minutes?
6: You can't take too much. You can't okay. take it too often. Okay. So you take you take five or ten drops. In some liquid, and if you're still anxious five minutes later, you take more. And you keep taking it every five minutes until you're not anxious. Okay. And then you can wait for, what, half an hour, an hour. You'll feel the anxiety starting to creep back in, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And you'll have counted, like, did you take three... Doses that were 10 drops each, then when you feel the anxiety starting to creep in, you take 30 drops. And that's how you find the dosage that works for you. Herbs, in general, are not drugs. While it can be very threatening to our health and our life to take too much or too little of a drug or to take it too frequently, that's not the case with herbs and especially not with herbs like motherwort. So okay. take a small dose. Take it every five minutes. Count how much you take. So you get to the point where you're going, aha, okay, I feel fine. And then wait until you need to take it again. And this time, instead of taking five drops every five minutes, take whatever you took, 20 drops, 30 drops, 40 drops, whatever it was. Does that work for
5: you? Yes, that works for me.
6: Thank you so much. Yes, and what will happen is that the time between doses will get longer and longer. Okay. Take the motherwort tincture with you to work. hmm Don't leave it at home. Okay. And if you need to take a few drops every five minutes while you're at work, do it. Okay. It's okay. You can't hurt yourself with it.
5: Okay.
4: That makes sense.
5: Right? All right. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye.
4: All right. And our next caller is calling from the 919 area code. From the 919, you're live with Susan. Hey. Hi, Susan. My name's Stacy.
6: Hi, (laughs) Stacy. Stacy, what's up tonight?
3: Hi. Well, first of all, I just want to say that um, you don't know me, but I've known you for 26 years when I first used your um, herbal, herbal for the childbearing year when my son was born. And now I'm, I'm um, absolutely in love with your bre- uh, Breast Cancer Breast Health book, which is helping me immensely through my um, small bout with breast cancer so i um, uh, very grateful for, for your book and, and, and especially the wisdom that's in it, uh, over and above all the herbal advice and um, advice about medicines, etc. So that's the first thing. Thank um, you. You are most welcome. And uh, thank you. The second thing is a specific question. I just visited my um, surgeon. Because I'm going to get surgery in three weeks, and I, I had gotten these herbs that, uh, from, you know, based on your book, uh, to to put on on the the wound after after surgery, and then yesterday she told me that nothing should go on there for two or three weeks until um, she's going to seal the 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 wound with glue. <laughs> Nothing is supposed to go on there until two or three weeks, but I had been planning to put on um, uh, St. John's Wort and Calendula and Comfrey. So my question is, um, now what do I do? And I'm guessing there's some stuff that I, I can take these things internally, I guess. Or what would you do if you were me?
6: It sounds like you're having a lumpectomy.
3: Uh, it's a mastectomy.
6: You are having a mastectomy. You are having one or two breasts removed.
3: Yeah, just one.
6: One. And how many lymph nodes?
3: Um, well, one. They said one.
6: Only one lymph node will be removed.
3: Yes, and then when I, I asked specifically, she said, well, it's one, but sometimes one has a couple of nodes on it. So um, if if it has a couple of nodes on it, then it will be, you know, like up to, say, three on one little stick or whatever you want to call it.
6: I understand, but, but they're not planning to take significant numbers of lymph nodes.
3: No, they said that. Oh,
6: so I um, am guessing. I am guessing that you are stage one or stage two.
3: Stage two, yes.
6: And stage two would mean that your tumor is of sufficient size to make it stage two, or that it okay. has spread beyond the kind of tissue it started in into adjacent and different tissue. Correct. Correct on both counts. But so far as we know, no spread to lymph nodes or to distant organs.
3: They said that one, they originally said that one lymph node was affected, just one. And But no, no no metastasis. We did like a bone test and a CT scan, uh, scan and it revealed no metastasis.
6: Mm-hmm. And... What follows the surgery?
3: Um, good question. I am not at this point. So during the whole, I've known about the. I've got di- diagnosed almost a year ago, and I've been treating it with um, things like mushrooms and Chinese herbs and um, supplements and things like that. So the the tumors shrunk. Okay, let
6: me stop. You, let me stop you just for a moment. You haven't okay. been treating the cancer. You have been nourishing yourself.
3: Thank you. Yes.
6: And get rid of the supplement as soon as you can, please. Okay. There is not a single supplement that is safe to take if you have a cancer diagnosis.
3: Oh, okay. All
6: right. There's no supplement that's good for your health of any kind that I know of. Mm-hmm. And certainly the worst time to take any supplement is when you have a cancer diagnosis.
0: Okay. Okay,
6: So you've been working for a year to nourish yourself with a variety of alternative medicines. Yes. And have you also engaged serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine? Um,
3: Those sound like things that I was already engaged with. So, But I would, so I would need, say yes.
6: Those need to change when we have a cancer diagnosis. Of course, everyone has a lifestyle. Someone's lifestyle might be coffee, cigarettes, and hamburgers. <laughs> That's a
3: lifestyle, <laughs> no, is I, ha- I have my lifestyle.
6: story might be, oh, God, everybody in my family gets cancer. Yes, I understand that you're already engaged in those medicines, but I'm asking a more specific question. In what way did you work with those healing modalities, or have you put all of your faith into alternative medicine?
3: Hmm. Um, Let's see. I have a spiritual path that I pray to with daily and in, in among the prayers is a prayer and, um, and a request of my body's cells to help to heal either heal the cancerous cells or kill them <laughs> and I think I got one of the prayers from, from your book which is to ask them what I can do to um what can I provide or what can I do to to heal to to help so i've been doing that every day um, when I pray while I do yoga, so it i'm getting movement while I pray um, and in general, I have a philosophy that my body is kind of like the vessel for my spirit, and so I want to keep it healthy and um Agile. So that, this, my spirit can this that in my the spirit
6: this idea that the body is a vessel for the spirit
3: yeah.
6: is a good way to die.
3: A good way to die? Yeah. Okay.
6: Since your body is merely the vessel of the spirit, why do you need it?
3: Ah. The spirit's
6: fine without it.
3: Ah. Ah
6: perhaps the spirit only lives through the body ah this is what I mean by changing your story uh huh because if the spirit only lives through the body now it's not that we want to keep the body healthy for the sake of the spirit it's that we better keep the body around or there is no spirit hmm Mm. hmm
0: mm-hmm
3: Hmm. <laughs> Very interesting.
0: Cancer, a
6: cancer diagnosis is a big signal to us that we need to take a big overall view Mm -hmm. of what really functions for us.
0: Mm -hmm.
6: You have heard but it is hard in a way to believe that cancer cells are the healthiest cells in your body. Uh In Encouraging your body to make the cancer healthy is a good way to die. Uh Cancer cells are the youngest, healthiest cells in your body. That's why. It doesn't matter how many cancer cells are in your breast. You'll never die from having cancer cells in your breast because the breast is a non-critical organ. But if those young, healthy cancer cells get out into your bloodstream and into your lymph nodes and into your bones, your liver, your brain, or your lungs, then you die. Yeah. And so they want to remove your breast so that those young, healthy cancer cells can't Go anywhere and act like teenagers. They can trouble, right? And then, because they know that what that surgery does is to actually stir up micro cancers, they want to finish up with radiation and/or chemotherapy, right?
0: Because they
6: understand that that the surgery will increase your risk of dying of cancer. That's not to say you shouldn't have it done. Mm
5: -hmm.
6: I don't know if you heard yourself. But the only time during this conversation that you have laughed, and it was a deprecating laugh, was when you said, kill the cancer. Ah. You said, kill the cancer.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs>
0: Just like that, right. that laugh. You hear that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Okay.
6: What did that say to me? It said to me, believe me, I'm not going to kill this cancer. No way am I doing that. That's that's a mean, vicious, terrible thing to do, and I'm not a mean, vicious, terrible person. (laughs) I'm not killing cancer. I'm spiritual. I will pray it away. Uh, Well...
3: If it helps, I started you by killing have
6: it. have been mm-hmm. diagnosed with a worthy adversary. Never, for a moment, forget that this mm-hmm. is a worthy adversary, and this adversary will kill you if it can.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay.
6: It doesn't care how spiritual you are.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: It doesn't care if you pray.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And it's not going, going to go away if you say, please. Right. I understand your reluctance to do chemotherapy or radiation. There are some fairly new, but in practice, genetic tests that can help narrow down how much benefit you would get from those therapies. Mm -hmm. Mushrooms. Medicinal mushrooms
3: yeah, I've been are certainly
6: those. strong ally for anyone dancing with a cancer diagnosis. They have strong uh, clinical uh, studies showing that they help to prevent metastasis. Mm-hmm. Your primary concern is to prevent metastasis. Right. That's why they want to do the chemotherapy and the radiation. Right. So what I want to ask you is not what you're not going to do, Mm -hmm. but what you are going to do that's as fierce as
3: that. Ah. Well, I do have plans. And one is to continue with the medicinal mushrooms and some really strong Chinese herbs. And I was recently introduced to Dr. Nasha Winter. There is no
1: just...
6: herb that will get rid of cancer at stage two by itself or in combination with any other herb. Ah. It can be used to make you healthy, to make you resilient, to help you get through the therapies that will kill the cancer. But there are no herbs strong enough to get rid of cancer. Okay. Again, oh. if you were talking very early stage, what I would be saying would be different. This is already stage two. This is already invaded tissue beyond itself and has grown to a sufficient size that there could be micrometastases throughout your body that we don't know about and cannot pick up with any test at this point. Mm-hmm. This, again, is why they want to do chemotherapy and radiation. Right. So the things that you need to choose need to be the actual equivalent and are focused on the destruction of any micrometastases that could be left mm-hmm. the destruction of any cancer cells. Chinese mm-hmm. herbs can make you healthy. But I doubt it. Mm-hmm. And who's prescribing these herbs? And on what basis?
3: Um, my um, acupuncturist is uh, subscribing um prescribing the Chinese herbs and I I did based research
6: on, a... based on their diagnosis of you?
3: Uh, good question. No, based on the Western medicine diagnosis.
6: <laughs> really?
1: Yeah.
3: Huh.
6: Well, that seems like it won't work. I mean, suppose your triple burner is out of whack. No Western doctor would know that. So far as I know, Chinese herbs don't treat Western diagnoses. Ah. They treat five element theory diagnoses. Okay. Right? You have empty yin. Your triple burner is out of whack. Your liver is not communicating to the organ that it corresponds with correctly. Mm -hmm. These are not Western diagnoses, are they? No. This is what Chinese herbs treat.
0: Right. Right.
6: I don't know of any Chinese herbs used to treat cancer that are considered effective. There are tons Mm -hmm. of Chinese herbs that are used to help people get through surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. But that's what's used in China to deal with cancer, is surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation.
0: Right.
3: Huh. So, dare I ask if you're suggesting that I go through chemo and radiation?
6: I'm not suggesting anything. Mm -hmm. I absolutely did not want to do chemo. I found an anthroposophic physician who did mistletoe therapy. Mistletoe therapy is done in Holland and Germany and Israel and has some pretty good statistics and she had been specially trained in it. I went once a month and I made a two year commitment to go once a month for an hour long Ivy infusion of mistletoe. And I was personally responsible for taking a hypodermic needle and injecting myself with mistletoe in my belly on a daily basis.
3: Wow. That is dedication.
6: This is what I am asking you. What are you going to do that is this fierce is radiation and chemotherapy?
3: Now I understand the question. And
6: I'm frightened. And I don't of know needles. the answer.
3: <laughs> I'm totally
6: frightened of needles and I'm and, and I'm looking at her and I'm wow. saying, I can't do this. I'm frightened of needles. Yeah. And she just looks at me and I hear I hear a voice in my head that says, Good, you can be frightened of needles, and you can have somebody else put a needle in your body and drip chemicals into it. Is that what you want? Yeah. And I responded, hell no, I am going to figure out how to jab this needle into my own flesh.
3: Yeah. That's awesome.
6: That's what cancer asks of us, isn't it?
3: Right. Okay. I, I, get wh- I get where I get where where you're um I get I get what you're saying.
6: You're putting your faith in alternative medicine.
0: Mhm.
6: Supplements, herbs. Right. Really change your story.
5: Right.
3: I'm writing this down. Change my story. Change
6: your story. Engage mind medicine in a way that is new and perhaps strange to you. You mm-hmm. are comfortable with me- meditation and visualization. Have you ever been hypnotized?
3: Um, just self hypnotized, I think.
6: Mm-hmm. There might be a medical hypnotist in your area.
3: Huh?
6: That's what I'm saying. Push your boundaries. Do yes. something you wouldn't ordinarily do. Make mm-hmm. yourself uncomfortable.
3: Make right Make myself uncomfortable. Comfortable. Okay. Right. Uncomfortable. Un- Comfortable. Writing it down.
6: Right. Get yourself out of everything that you've been telling me you're going to do, you're really comfortable with, right?
3: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: yes. Okay. All right. And I'm summoning my inter- when, when, is the, when
6: is When is the surgery scheduled for?
3: October 5th, three weeks.
6: October 5th, three weeks. Okay, so she is going to remove your right breast or your left breast? Right. Your right breast, not including any muscle?
3: Um, uh, not 100% sure, but we don't think that there's very much muscle at all that needs to be removed. There Some is, muscle a, needs
0: to be removed.
3: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a tiny little bit. There's okay. a tumor up above the breast that's also going to be removed. So the breast and a the, the tumor up on my chest. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. And one lymph node.
3: And one lymph node in between.
6: And she, plus, plus and the she lymph is lymph going to pour glue over the resulting wound. She is going to bring Thanks. the skin up and suture it um or close bring the skin up and close it she is going to take a skin graft some, some from somewhere you are going to have a reconstruction what
3: no reconstruction
6: no reconstruction so
3: right so she'll just be able to um use the existing skin to close the the you know to make a line uh, where she sews the, the skin together and then another line, a T, so it will be like a T-shape, one across the breast and one um, that joins the breast to the where she removed the tumor. Does that make sense? Yes,
6: yes. Yeah. So there will be a large incision um, going from side to side and a smaller one going up and down. Yes. Like a tea or an upside down tea, depending on.
3: Upside sit, down tea, yeah.
6: Upside down because the smaller tumor is up above. Yeah, yeah. And rather than sutures, she wants to use glue.
3: Right. So she said sutures in the inside, the kind of sutures uh-huh. that will dissolve. And then on uh-huh. the just for the skin will be just uh-huh. um, the glue.
6: Mm-hmm. I will tell you that I had a plastic surgeon do my closures. Mm -hmm. Because it was important to me that someone whose particular skill was to put things together, put me back together after the ones whose skill it was to take me apart had taken me apart.
3: Yes, I, I got lucky in the fact that she used to be a plastic surgeon. And then oh, right. Yes. I know. Is that lucky or what?
6: That <laughs> so, is great. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful. So um
1: okay.
3: Good. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing her artistry. Yes. Yeah.
6: So she does not want anything to disturb the glue. Right. Does that mean that there will be a dressing on the wounds that will stay there without interruption?
3: No, I think not, because she said I I would be able to shower right away. So I think no dressing. I mean, they'll give me that, um, what do you call it, that uh, sports bra thing to wear. But I don't think there will be any dressing on it.
6: But not like a bandage of any kind on it? I don't think so. Well, uh, we might put tape on it. Are you going to have... uh, Yeah, I I would think there would be tape on it. Are you going to have a drain? Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you could shower, but you're probably not going to want to.
3: Wait, I'm sorry. But I'm not going to want to what? I said you
6: could shower, but you're probably not going to want to because the drain drains into a bag. You're going to be bag lady for a while. So
3: right, right, right.
6: I had I had, yeah. you know, I had a catheterization and two drains, so I was really bag lady. I was hauling around three
3: bags. It was quite a scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
6: <laughs> you know, yeah, I could shower, but I had to, like, you know, throw my bags over the edge. Well, I did right. not fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, not
3: showering every day. I'm not showering yeah, every
6: day. Yeah, no, no, you're not like, I'm not <laughs> going to um, Then I would say if you can shower, if it can get wet, then you can spray herbal tinctures on it,
3: right? Ah. Well, they they won't be happy with that, but um doesn't mean I can't do it.
6: Why won't they be happy with it?
3: They said something, oh, she said something about if there's some kind of infection or something like that, they want to know, they want to be sure. It sounds kind of lame to me, actually, now that I'm saying it. They want to be sure what it's caused by or that it, the infection or, or, or disruption wasn't caused by some, something other than what they put on there.
6: Well, duh, yarrow is not going to cause an infection now, is it?
3: Well, I don't think any of them. I was going to put um, calendula or um Calendula Jones oil,
6: it. especially in olive oil, could cause an infection.
3: You bet it could. I was going to put the tincture on there. Does that make a difference?
6: Tincture sounds fine. Okay. Put it in a spray bottle and spray it
0: on, right? Okay. Okay.
3: spray on calendula and then um, I also got St. John's Wort. Does that get sprayed on too or no? The oil? No, the I got tincture.
6: Uh Uh-huh. So I use Hypericum tincture, St. John's Wort tincture to internally to relieve muscle aches. Internally okay. to help relieve nerve pain, internally to brighten up moods. In mm-hmm. I can't think of any time I've used Hypericum tincture externally.
3: Oh, okay. So I can use that internally and use the Calendula externally. Yes. Can I also use the Calendula internally?
6: I believe that people use it that way. I haven't worked very much with calendula, so I um, don't have a lot to say about it. Sarah, do you work much much with calendula?
4: No, I don't. I don't. All right.
3: Well, um, I just want to say I've taken up a lot of your time, and I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, And I don't want to take up too much more. Um,
6: well, I hope that I've answered your questions, given you some food for thought.
5: Yes, and absolutely. I would, love it.
6: I would love it if you would call back
3: after the okay. surgery. Call back after surgery? It'll yeah. be my, my extreme pleasure. And let me just thank, thank you. you extremely very, very much. I really, really appreciate all you have given me tonight.
1: You are welcome, for you. Good night.
3: Okay, Good night.
4: All right, and there are two callers that have their hand raised. The next caller is calling from the eight one eight area code, from the eight one
5: eight five. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, I've been trying to make a with tincture, and I read somewhere online that you have to, not you have to, but some people recommend boiling it first in water and then putting in alcohol. What kind of tincture? Astragalus.
6: With fresh astragalus or dried astragalus?
5: Dried. Mm
6: -hmm. Well, I guess it depends on what you want. So, many people use high-grain alcohol. And then they don't get the water-soluble constituents. So they boil it first to get the water-soluble constituents and then use high-grain alcohol to get the alcohol-soluble constituents. But I use 100-proof vodka, which is half water and half alcohol, so I get both the alcohol-soluble and the water-soluble constituents. It's a little slower working. I think that my tinctures made from dried roots or berries, like astragalus root, are at the best after a year. So I get if I want to make a stragulus tincture I might buy anywhere between four ounces and a pound of astragalus and put up a quarter of it every four months. And by the time I put up the last of it, the first of it will be ready. And by the time I'm opening the second batch, I should start making more tincture so that I always have a supply that's at least a year old. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
5: Okay. And, um, and recently I made my first calendula oil and I... Um, didn't pay attention when I was purchasing it, that it was just the petals of the flowers. It wasn't the actual um, flower. So I made the oil. I'm not sure if it has the same benefits. Would it have the same benefits? If not, like what can I do with that oil?
6: You could do anything you wanted with that oil, from use it as it is to pour it over some other herb. I think that your calendula oil is probably fine. What color was the olive oil after the calendula had infused
5: in it? It's a beautiful golden... um,
6: Then you're right on, no problem at all. It's perfect.
5: But for future, though, I should get the actual flower, not just the little...
6: I always prefer to work with fresh flowers.
5: It's my preference. Um, Can I... And and, um, another thing that I... um, you, When you mentioned to make marshmallow root infusion, um, you, you always say to use the you know, boiling water, but I've read some or I've heard other herbalists say use cold now Let me water. say again
6: exactly what I said last week. I pour boiling water over my one ounce of marshmallow root, let it steep for four hours closed. I then, after I drink that, which gives me the minerals from the marshmallow, Then I use cold water, which gives me the mucilage. But the cold water will never get me the minerals.
5: Okay. So about four hours. Many
6: herbalists have been trained to think of plants in pieces rather than in holes. I want the whole plant, so I'm always working as close to the whole plant as I can. As a matter of fact, toward the end of whole plant, I made myself a plantain oil made from the roots, the leaves, the stalks, the flowers, and the early seed heads of plantain because it was growing in a place where I needed to remove it. I'm very pleased with how it came out. Now, I'm going to say green blessings to you and see if I can answer the questions of the last caller before we get to talk to Melissa.
5: Thank you, Susan. Green blessings. Green blessings.
4: All right. And the next caller is calling from the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan.
1: Hi, Susan. It's Carol from Nashville. Are you? Hey, Carol. Uh, I, I have a good question that, uh, about passion flower, and a lot of it was just answered by the last caller. As far as what are the best parts to tincture, uh, other than the the bloom, and then I've you know been looking up different stuff in the greaves and their finger leaves and everything. So now I'm just going to put everything in there. But talk to me. You're right, and you can just put
6: everything in there. It's, it all works.
1: Excellent. So tell me about passion flower. How is it different from motherwort or? You no, know, what is, where is it and how, you know, we don't not talk has, much about it, but it's pretty
6: flora is a plant of hot places. I can maybe grow a passion flower in a pot for a summer, but I can't get it to overwinter no matter what I do. It doesn't like it cold. Motherwort is not happy in hot places. Right. Passiflora. Passiflora has what I call an eagle-like effect on the heart. Passiflora can. Exert an influence that causes people to want to be more open-hearted. Motherwort
7: protects
6: protects the heart. It's especially suitable for people who feel that they get broken-hearted a lot or that their heart gets injured a lot. this go
1: along with what you feel about these plants oh uh, for sure, for sure and just, and the, and the little maypops that you have to ferment the seeds to get them to germinate, apparently, so you you not dry them not that, I mean I experiment figured out, but what have you, i'm, what I'm not sure what the, you mean by maypops, maypops the, fruit, the maypops fruit
6: usually refer to the fruit of American mandrake.
1: I know. I, I read that too. I mean, I don't know, but I'm saying that they, read, they call these the pops because when you step on them, they do make a pop sound. The fruit, I the
6: see. For so the a fruit.
1: Right. I was thinking, you know, do you, you don't know anything about what you can do with the fruit. I could just look into it. But thank you for that. It's interesting about the heart. Very good. I love it. You are welcome.
6: You know, the places I've been, Costa Rica, Hawaii, where there was passion fruit, Um, they certainly ate it. Um, One of the favorite things to do is to cut it up, freeze it, and then blend it up uh, with milk or some kind of fruit juice to make a cooling drink. It looks like
1: it would need to be cooked, though, because there's almost very little fruit on it. Very little fruit on it, then.
6: Again, the one that you have might be quite different and need further preparation. Definitely, ask around and see what you can find out.
1: Thank you. Good night. Good night. Dream blessings.
4: All right, and it looks Malouf. like Melissa. You know
6: here. Melissa Mutterspaugh is a clinical herbalist, environmental educator, and founder and formulator at Mountain Mills Essential Goods. She's a podcast host on the herbalist path and uses an awful lot of capital letters, my goodness. And the mother of a beautiful young girl and a few fur babies living in the foothills of Mount Hood, Oregon. I don't know if she heard earlier on when I read this that we were going to ask her if she really was the actual mother of both a young girl and fur babies, and I'm trying to find out how she did that, or maybe she was the surrogate mother of the fur babies. Melissa has spent the early 2000s as a backpacking guide and wilderness therapist. Maybe she did give birth to her babies, which is where her passion for herbal medicine began. While people were paying her hundreds of dollars to guide them to her most sacred spaces, she noticed they were all carrying toxic, nasty products in their first aid kits and backpacks. Backpacks in it. chapter hide. Not only were they polluting their bodies, more importantly, they were polluting our planet. So she began devouring herbal books and creating her own natural first aid kits. This planted the seed to her never-ending desire to learn about herbalism. And if you're learning about herbalism, you will discover it is a never-ending desire indeed. Fortunate to learn from some of the greatest herbal educators, her thirst for herbal knowledge is never quenched. Today, Melissa is passionate about formulating and teaching people to use plants as medicine in safe and effective ways. She wants to inspire people to take better care of the planet by taking better care of themselves. Welcome to the show, Melissa.
8: Yay. Thanks so much, Susan. I really appreciate it. And I, I guess I could say I am the adopt mother of the fur babies not okay good that's, that's reassuring <laughs> yeah it feels a little bit better that'd be a, a really unique story though gosh that could yeah that right could it's off. like a
1: wall backpacking i gave birth to a couple of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> when we when we girls
1: get wild we can get pretty
6: wild
8: <laughs> exactly. It's all that wilderness therapy. I mean, you get so connected to It is indeed. I always say
6: to the append- apprentices, "It's okay. You can get wild. You've been house trained. It will all come back."
8: Nice. Nice. Well, thank you so that.
6: You find that no matter how wild itself. you get, no matter how wild you get, when you come back and somebody says, "How are you?" You look at them and say, "Fine."
0: Right. Right.
6: right.
8: The most generic. You've been
6: house trained. You know how to do it. Don't worry. It's not going away. You have it. So right. get wild. Wow.
8: Um, what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about plants and the planet and herbalism and all the things that make us smile and do the things we do for life.
0: How okay. Well, well, here
6: you are <laughs> guiding people, and they're pulling out of their packs these awful sunscreens.
8: Mm. And bugs.
6: Let's just start they there, right? Early. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. Uh, I mean and and <laughs> like everybody with the sunscreen, right? Yeah, for sure. The sunscreen for sure, and really yucky really yucky so, stuff. So so you have in, involved yourself in checking out what can be used instead of yes. those commercial sunscreens. Have you found some things that work?
8: Yes, absolutely. You know, St. John's Wort has a natural SPF, so it can also do the adverse and exacerbate sun for certain people. But um, there's always the, the mineral zinc oxide. Well, how many people
6: do you know that, it's, that, that it has exacerbated the sun?
8: I have yet to see it. I've just read it in studies. So, um, well,
6: let's
0: not about, about pass this? along not
6: false information. Let's not pass along paranoia. I have been I, uh, using Hidericum oil <laughs> exclusively as a sunscreen for over 25 years. Nice. I have been recommending it to people for that long, and I know tens of thousands of people who use it successfully, including very fair people, to help their skin when they're in the sun. And I have yet to hear of anyone either first or second hand who has any had any sun sensitivity at all how from using hypericum oil i have heard of people getting sun sensitivity from taking dried hypericum in capsules
8: yes you know i it was it was a pubmed article that i had read so i think that If if I can go back on that, I wish it were up in front of me, but, of course, it's not. I think what you just said is absolutely right. So that's beautiful and brilliant um, because I also use it as an oil and have had no problems ever. So um, I'm glad to know that there's tens of thousands of others that have had no problems also. So let's
6: not worry about hypericum oil topically causing any kind of sun sensitivity, because I really and truly don't believe it.
8: Awesome. Yeah, I've never never felt it myself. It's just that article that I read that raised the raised the red flag as I create as I use it in my products. Okay, well, don't,
6: don't be waving that red flag at the bull, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> then they say, <laughs> well, when Melissa small said flag.
6: that you. Melissa Mutterswall said you could get some sensitivity, right?
8: Only on the internet. Oh,
6: right. right? (laughs) Your word is important to people. Really, really. really Take care about that, or uh, you know. And I find if I really, you know, do want to say something like that, I'll say. I read in a report that they believed that this happens, although I have never in this many years seen it to happen, nor heard anybody talking about it happen.
8: Right. Right. It's a good way to... So there I've,
6: you know, as we said, covered my ass to say, well, this odd thing could happen. I'll tell you, just one further thing on this, Uh, before I published abundantly well, um, at every herbal conference that I taught at for two years, every group that I... But I said, I want to know from any of you, and we're talking about thousands of people that I had contact with, probably over 10,000 people over that two-year period, I want to know any herbal drug interactions you have had. And you know yeah. what response I got? Nothing.
1: Nil.
8: Yeah. None. Right. And I wonder, you know, there's there's always factors that go into it, whether they were aware of it or, or not, but... Um, Yeah, you know, that's where when it comes to drugs and people come to me and say I'm on XYZ drug, you know, I'll look it up and whatever research, and then I say, you know, I'm not your doctor. I'm an herbalist, and this is what I've experienced, and this is what I know. And if you want to take it further, then you can chat about it with your doctor. So oftentimes the doctor is going to say, heck, no, don't do it, because those hippies are crazy, and, you know, herbs don't work, and those kinds of things.
6: I'm I am much much more um, pro herb. Much more pro herb. <laughs> what I say is what I say is there's is no information out there on using herbs with drugs in any form other than the herb powdered and put into a capsule. If you are planning to use an herb powdered and in a capsule, then I don't want to have anything to do with you because as far as I'm concerned, that's a dangerous behavior. If you are going to use herbs as teas, infusions, vinegars, tinctures, oils, and honeys, then so far as I know, there are not going to be any interactions. And if there are, then let's get your doctor to lower the dose of your drug.
5: Right That's a after all isn't
6: line, that what we want
0: right.
6: We don't want to definitely. abandon them to their their doctors their doctors have only one thing to say, and that is don't use herbs because the doctors don't get any training,
2: and because right.
6: what training they, they do is all from the PubMed studies you're looking at, which only use, if we're lucky, dried powdered herb. And if we're not lucky, they use one constituent of the herb. Right. And how many people are we talking about in this study? Most of those PubMed herbal studies we're talking about under 100 people. We never even repeat those kinds of things with a drug. We, we, we wouldn't use that as a valid study for a drug. Right. The studies on herbs are very invalid. They're not done scientifically.
8: I think there might be some that are done scientifically these days, but I don't I'm, – I'm not the one doing the well, studies. Well, I know so I know but, <laughs> that late
6: in 2019 I was in a big um, conference in Arizona – um, about cannabis and other plants used medicinally. And the lead researcher for cannabis in the United States told us the research you cannot trust at all because the plants they give us are outrageously contaminated with mold and substandard. Uh, yeah. And my very brief stint with the Center for Disease Control, um, I walked away from because they wouldn't study any plant at all. They would only study individual plant constituents.
8: Right. And you then got to get that. And then talk about it
6: as though it was the whole plant.
8: Right, because they want those pockets padded in whatever way they possibly can get, and if somebody can extract that constituent and turn it into that's a right. drug, then. They and their buddies make all the money. Yay. Celebrate.
6: (laughs) Yay. So what else (laughs) have you found about sunscreen? And I'm sure you've heard that olive oil itself has an SPF factor.
8: Absolutely, as does um, coconut oil, as does uh, sunflower oil, as does soybean oil. I like to use green tea also for its antioxidant benefits for the skin, and it also has (laughs) some some sunscreen benefits to it, which is really nice.
6: Do you you make green tea oil or do you use like a green tea tea bag on the skin? How do you do that?
8: I get a green tea powder and I infuse that in um, coconut oil. And then I blend it with the rest of my blend of the sunscreen. Our sunscreen for me is like I've been using and making my own sunscreens with various recipes for years. But to actually like package a sunscreen these days is really, really new for me. So um, it's exciting, though. (laughs) And it's really nice to see how effectively it works because I'm using nothing but natural plants and oils and some zinc oxide. And we went rafting down the river with my family this summer, and I put the latest and greatest natural SPF baby kid sunscreen SPF 50 on one thigh, and then we put one on my other thigh. And as you're heading down a river, you know, your your thighs are exposed the whole darn time. And we got halfway down and made it to our lunch stop, and the thigh with our sunscreen had zero pink on it, and the SPF Fifty had a minimal amount of pink on it, so it said, "You know, it felt great to be like, yay, plants, (laughs) you know, this this works so much better." So,
6: yay, plants, yay, plants, and let me tell you something else. I mentioned that I have used Hypericum oil exclusively as a sunscreen for decades. (laughs) At this (laughs) point, I don't even have to use it. It has taught my skin how to be in the sun.
0: I love and, the ways and
6: it's I had asked pieces. around other people that I know have been using it for a long time and they admitted to me that it's true that they hardly ever have to put any on now.
8: Yeah, I believe that. I mean, I have other herbs that affect me in various ways not necessarily with the sunscreen but like chamomile, for instance, I can like look at a bag of chamomile and instantly feel uh, a state of peace and calm. And oh, oh, great. and that connection is amazing. Like, you know, I, I, I get near that chamomile and my shoulders drop back and, and I can just kind of breathe deep and say, ah. Oh. like that connection is that powerful. And it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's,
1: That is so
6: wonderful. Now, let's see. Before I go pour all of my matcha into my jar of coconut oil, what are we talking about here? A teaspoon of matcha to an ounce of coconut oil?
8: Um, Well, I do mine in gallons. So um, doing that, let's see. I don't have my Okay, There's 128 ounces
6: in a gallon. How much matcha do you use?
8: Right. We use about... uh, Gosh, I, I can look on my, my formula sheet, and that would help me a lot more. A little over a cup in there of the matcha powder, for sure. But oh, I don't so you have don't weigh
1: numbers, it? You do, you do a
6: volume. Oh,
8: we weigh it. We weigh it. I'm also looking like, I can't remember the number because we weigh it okay. by grams. Um, but I know that if I were to look at a measuring cup, it would be at least a cup, if not more. So it turns out some pretty green coconut oil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can uh, yeah.
6: stand down from one cup per gallon to something more reasonable for me. Um, yeah. I just made a, uh, a fresh calendula flower in coconut oil, and to do that I had wow. to pour off a third of the jar to have room for the calendula flour, So I have a third of a jar of coconut oil available to me. So nice. I am going to put nice. matcha in it without a doubt. Thanks for that tip. That's
8: let me wonderful. D- result. Yeah. Let me just say that I love so much that you also infuse your calendula oil fresh because I see so many people out there saying, don't do it fresh. And I'm like, that's how I make it every single year, <laughs> you know, and that's where you get the good medicine, you know, if you have that opportunity to. Of course, you have to be mindful of mold, but shouldn't you anyways? <laughs> you know? I-
6: I have really enjoyed experimenting this summer with coconut oil. My dollar store had these jars of coconut oil for a dollar, and I just, like, bought out the shelf. (laughs) Wow. Yes, and I've been giving them to students and putting stuff in them. And the coconut oil has a greater ability to preserve than the olive oil. Now, I kind of already knew that. Because I had some kumba-made coconut oil with jasmine flower in it, which I adore. And I was mm. looking at it, and I looked at the date on the label, and this stuff is over 10 years old, and it still smells great.
8: Wow. That's beautiful.
6: And I thought, oh, you know, an olive oil would have totally gone off by now.
0: Yeah, and I began absolutely. to
6: realize, definitely seeing this in the things that I'm making, is that the coconut oil, even though it's been out in the sun to keep it liquid, has exerted a very strong antibacterial effect. I'm very interested to see how it goes with our calendula.
8: That is fantastic. So this will be your first time doing it with calendula?
6: It will be the first time doing it with the calendula in the coconut oil.
8: Uh, right, right, I, You right, know, right. I've,
6: Sorry. I've been doing a variety of That's animal awesome. fats and olive oil just because Olive oil. It's the thing everybody uses, but I'm really enjoying the
8: coconut oil. So what? It's so beautiful. What, what Are, else? Can I ask you real quick? Sure. Are you using uh, a refined coconut oil? Or do you get that delicious coconut scent as well?
1: It's just it's you- regular dollar coconut oil. It's solid at room temperature, and I have to put
6: it in the sun for it to be liquid, and as soon as I bring it in the house, it gets solid again.
8: Awesome, because when you get it, when it's like when you have that delicious coconut scent, and you just kind of want to eat it. Or sometimes you can get it refined, uh, and then you don't get that. Well, scent. you
0: know,
6: my daughter was over here. We were just filming some videos on pesto, and I was had been working with the hypericum coconut oil, and I left a chopstick mm-hmm. in it, and she picked it up and stuck it in her mouth, and just started eating it. So you're <laughs> right; it is. They are very, very edible. Besides, no. Nice, Sunscreen, the people that you were guiding, what other kinds of noxious chemicals were they putting on themselves and the planet?
8: I think the one that got me most was the bug spray and the deep spray all over the place that really just, really just chapped my hide. And, you know, everybody rolled around with their fancy little Neosporin and whatnot. And I'm like these plants that you're hiking around can help you a lot better than that Neosporin people. And you're, you know, you're giving back to the land instead of extracting and and polluting it further. And I think that's what really just upset me. Like, sure, pollute your body all you want, but it's our planet that you're paying me to go see these beautiful places and you're just putting nasty things all throughout it. And to this day, this is almost 20 years ago that I was a hiking guide. So (laughs) to this day, I'm still so very adamant about that not happening. So, yeah, the bug stage.
0: So you came up
6: with natural bug sprays.
8: Yeah. Uh, Soybean oil, actually. It's got an SPF of about 10. And it has natural bug-repelling properties. And then there's the catnip where um, it's been proven to be 10 times more effective than deep. the nepotines inside of the catnip is just phenomenal. So catnip essential oil for some reason is extremely expensive. Maybe you can understand this with all those like, all those volatile oils and all the fragrance that comes out of catnip, it's still a very expensive essential oil, um, but it's also extremely effective. And geranium essential oil. Like, I'm typically a whole plant-using kind of person, but occasionally these essential oils are, are really helpful. But geranium, I have seen repel ticks really well off of those fur babies of mine. So, yeah, there's, it's a nice moisturizing bug spray that actually works. Like, you can see the mosquitoes come and buzz in at you, and it's like they turn their nose up at you, like you're the most disgusting person you've, they've ever come across.
5: Well,
8: it's
6: really nice. <laughs> I, I had this vain hope that you weren't using essential oils, which are real planet killers.
5: Yeah.
8: I'm, you so, know, sorry. I, I'm
6: so sorry. Or, you know, I have very effective bug, bug sprays that have no essential oils at all, because I have a zero right. tolerance policy for essential oils. They are so damaging. I would rather see someone cover themselves in teeth than anything with essential oil. truthfully.
8: Both for their sake. I don't know that I'd rather
6: go. Essential oils are like dropping atomic bombs on people's gut flora. They destroy mitochondria. They are really just so. I actually call essential oils drugs. Hmm. One of the largest manufacturers of essential oils has paid millions and millions of dollars in fines for destroying entire ecosystems. And they say it's easier to pay the fine than it is to preserve the ecology. Essential oils destroy plants. They're not good for this planet.
8: Well, what rethink. about when they are being regenerated? These rethink this. Catnip
6: tincture works fabulously as an insect repellent. Just plain catnip tincture. I put it in vodka. We spray it on our bodies. It works incredibly well. Mm-hmm. There's no need to use an essential oil.
8: I would love to read more on this for sure. Um, yellow, yellow, I tincture I, also, yellow
6: tincture is really our go-to for bug spray because not only does it get rid of the bugs, but if you do get bitten, it stops the itching.
8: Which is a lovely benefit. Lovely. What do you benefit. use for chicks out there? What do we
0: use
6: for ticks? We repel ticks with yarrow tincture sprayed on our ankles or with catnip tincture sprayed on our ankles. Hmm.
8: Interesting. Well, I can assure you that I at least source from a regenerative farm, so that is really nice, and I don't go to... You can't regenerate enough plant. You
6: really can't. A one-ounce bottle of lavender oil is half a ton of lavender, and that's the least amount of plant in any essential oil. Right. So what farm is growing that, kind of, that amount of plant material? I've been to farms in the Mediterranean that are growing that plant material, and, you know, organic, really, it's a joke what they tell me in all of those places is the organic inspector comes one day a year and that day we're organic so unless you've been on site to these places in most cases I I, my experience on the farms has been that you can't believe much of what you're reading and again why do we need or want to use so much of the earth's resources This is very, even if it's being farmed well, still very intensive farming. The amount of catnip that you would need to make enough catnip tincture to spray on everybody you know would be less than an acre. Whereas to make one bottle of catnip oil would cover hundreds and hundreds of acres. It's just not sustainable. So, Bug repellents. It's a big deal because people really don't like bugs, and it can be really, really problematic. And mosquitoes have killed more more people on a yearly basis than all other problems combined. So it it really is a big deal. The work that you're doing is so incredible, and I know that people want to know more. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
8: They can reach out to me at either mountainmels dot com or Mel at Mountain Mel's or the HerbalistPath dot Mel at the herbalistpath dot com.
6: <laughs> the herbalist path. Tell us a little bit about the herbalist path.
8: Yeah, that is, you know, I've taught many, many herbal classes in my community for years, but it looks like these days you need to do that online a bit more. So I host another podcast, The Herbalist Path, where um, I want to inspire a movement along with many other herbalists to have an herbalist in every home, again, like it once used to be. So I interview other herbalists. I interview whether they're educators or product makers or farmers or uh, permaculturists, whatever. you, You need to be to be the herbalist that they are and we're just all about teaching people how to use plants as medicine
6: herbal medicine as people's medicine yes
0: mm-hmm.
6: absolutely looks like I'll need about a quarter of an ounce of matcha in my four ounces of um, coconut oil
0: nice. to preserve
6: that ratio Good. a cup to a gallon so um, yeah so the Herbalist Path there is an online resource for the growing, hooray, number of people who are realizing that abundant food and medicine grows right outside their door, and you want to help them access that.
8: Absolutely. Following in the footsteps hey. of many of my elders.
6: <laughs> yay, 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 yeah. yay.
8: Heck Yeah. The plants have called and said, hey, you need to do this. You've got a loud voice. You need to use it. And you need to shout it from the mountaintops and the treetops about the importance of using plants as medicine for the people and for the planet and for the planet. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. So
6: um, I noticed that you um, so beautifully um, claim yourself as an, an elder speaking from the wise woman way. And oh really no! Appreciate. I
8: don't. <laughs> I was talking well, it, about you when I spoke that. <laughs> oh
6: well, gee, uh, it's uh, okay. It's Christian. I'm supposed to ask you, as an elder in the wise woman way, I say to you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right.
8: Actually, so I, I, I have things in the reverse. Um, uh, because the oh, question before it asked. is,
6: regarding the stress of the world today, if you could make da-da-da, and then clearly our planet is, what role do you see plant? And so these are all questions, obviously, that I'm supposed to ask you, so no, I didn't get it. And on top of it, I'm autistic, so I really don't make those kinds of jumps at all.
8: <laughs>
6: no, I... You asked me to ask you that question that all herbalists hate. If you could choose one plant that every single person <laughs> should know about, what would it be?
8: Ooh, you know that's that's a tough one. I wouldn't one have asked you, question
6: you gave me to ask you, so I'm going to ask you.
8: Sure, you know, I I I think like all herbalists, we could think of fifteen of them, but I would like to say plantain just because it's everywhere and it's amazing for drawing out infection and venom and bug bites and. Spider bites and cuts and scrapes and and intestinal issues, and she's just magical. She's amazing, and it's such a shame that so many people spend so much time wanting to kill her when it's just this epic medicine all over the place, white man's footprint everywhere. yeah, I think plantain is one that everybody needs to know.
0: The child's first
6: plant, the band-aid plantain, I don't know if you heard earlier in the show, I was saying that I needed to remove some plantain from a spot in the garden. And so what I did was I made a plantain oil from the root, stalk, leaf, flowers, Mm -hmm. and developing seed pods of the plantain, the whole thing. Awesome. Because why not? I'd never done it before. I'd always just these, but I really needed these plants out, so sorry, but I'm planting a northern hibiscus there. You must give way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we it. did, hooray for plantain, certainly one of my favorite plants as well.
7: Yeah, I love it. <laughs>
6: uh, we have come to the last question, and the last question is always, what do you wish to leave? in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you tonight, Mel.
7: I would like to
8: leave you with inspiration to take better care of our planet by taking better care of yourself using, respecting, and loving plant medicine and really paying attention and listening to the plants when you're out in the wild, not just grabbing and taking and taking and taking, but listening and Forming a relationship and a connection with the plants.
0: Mm.
8: That's what mm. I would like. Oh, yeah.
6: our <laughs> hearts are hearing you. Form <laughs> a relationship. Make mm-hmm. a connection. Mm-hmm.
0: Return
6: your gratitude for the abundance that plants give you. I thank you so much For helping me on my test to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. It's an Mm -hmm. effort that requires many of us to be available to each new person who wishes to discover this. And you are doing such a brilliant and heartfelt job of it. I so appreciate you and all you are doing, Mel. Thank you.
5: Thank you so much.
6: Green blessings. And Sarah Ellen, as always, you're the best. Green blessings. Green blessings, everybody. Good night.
8: Thank you. Good night.